It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Locked On Celtics podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I am John Corrales here flying solo today. Jay King having the night off after giving me the night off yesterday. Great job with him and Brian Robb, by the way, talking Celtics, Summer League, and some of the Russell Westbrook rumors. Coming up on the show today, I will talk to the Globe's Chad Finn about breaking news Dwayne Wade going to the Chicago Bulls, joining Rajon Rondo. That's going to be an interesting dynamic. Rondo, you remember, nearly got his arm broken in half in the 2011 playoffs. Called Wade dirty. So that's going to be an interesting dynamic. I'll be talking about that with Chad in a couple of minutes. Along with what Chad uh, wrote today on Kevin Durant and how he's actually looking forward to seeing what Golden State is going to be. So, and I kind of agree with him. We'll be talking about that in a few minutes and looking at the NBA landscape. But first, I want to get to an interview I did today with downtown Rich Kimball, Ryan Waning on the Pulse AM620 uh, in Bangor, Maine. I've been doing regular hits with them all season long. I really enjoy going on that show, and they have me back whenever the Celtics are doing something big, and they're here with Summer League. So talking a little Jalen Brown, talking a little bit about the guys who are impressive, addressing some of the Russell Westbrook rumors and some of the other stuff that's going on in the NBA. So let's get to that. This is me today on The Pulse in Bangor, Maine. 345, got you downtown on The Pulse. I know Kimball, Ryan Wayne, and Bruce Pratt, and on the GM Family Market phone line to talk some Celtics basketball with us. John Corrales of RedsArmy.com and the Locked on Celtics podcast. John, good afternoon. Hey, how you doing? My goodness, my head's still spinning from a, a crazy weekend. Uh, where to begin? Well, let's, let's start with the Celtics who uh, got, got a man. I don't know if it was their man, but for the first time in a long time, got a big-time free agent and have to feel good about that. Yeah, I think that was a success. Uh, I know that Al Horford wasn't the biggest free agent prize, but he's a pretty big one. He's a really good player, and he's going to significantly improve this team no matter what. Whatever happens moving forward, he's really going to be a huge upgrade, going to allow them to do a lot of things. And personally, I'm happiest about it, ending this whole discussion about free agents don't go to Boston. Mm. Because free agents do... If the situation is right, they'll go anywhere if the situation is right. This just happens to be the first situation that was right in Boston for free agents to even consider the team. And and they have, and Kevin Durant certainly did, uh, Al, Al Horford did, and signed in Boston. That's a, a big deal, and it's only going to make the city more attractive next summer when there are many, many more 
really, really good players available. John, did the Celtics benefit from the fact that, that Atlanta seemed to prioritize getting Dwight Howard more than keeping out Horford in the fold? Yeah, I don't know what they were thinking because they there were a lot of different things. It seems like trying to read afterwards how they were approaching things, it seems like they felt like Al Horford was almost a lock to return. And they may not have approached his free agency with the urgency that they would have had they known he would have seriously considered other teams. Just get that feeling. I don't know if that's really the case, but I get a distinct DeAndre Jordan with the Clippers last year. They they seem to not treat him with that same level of urgency. And luckily for them, they were able to convince him to change, their, change his mind. The Celtics have another... I'd say nine hours or so before that becomes an issue for Al Horford. If they just make nine more hours and he doesn't change his mind, they'll be fine. John, with Horford coming to Boston, what do you think that says about the front office's opinion of Jared Sullinger? Well, look, they're always looking to upgrade talent, and they may still bring him back. It depends on what kind of contract he's looking for. But they've always wanted to maintain the flexibility to sign better players. And look, Jared Sollinger is a pretty good player, but they probably want somebody that can do a lot more. He's a lot more versatile, bigger, uh, and, and they want stars. So Sully is a good player. I think they probably now see him as a bench guy or somewhere, however they, they, they decide to use him. If they do bring him back, they probably see him as a 20 to 25-minute guy. Definitely not an end-of-game type of guy, but I'm sure they still value him because he's still a pretty good rebounder. He, the numbers really do him more justice than the eye test. Some people might look at him and they say, oh, he's got the weight issue and blah, blah, blah. He's, he's still a pretty good player. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the market bears out. Uh, and, and Ainge may be taking a gamble, saying that he doesn't think that Sollinger is going to get a huge offer in restricted free agency, so they might they might gain a little bit of leverage here. We started talking about it the other night on Twitter, John, but I might as well throw it out there for the listeners. Russell Westbrook, is there interest, is there a chance, and what would it take? I'm sure there's interest because Danny Ainge is always interested in any sort of trade. Even if they don't get in on a Russell Westbrook trade necessarily they might want to kind of tag along as a third team to help facilitate something if it becomes available. But I'm sure he's going to look. And I saw somebody on Twitter today, I forget who it was, I'd like to give him credit, but the, it's a pretty fair statement. The reason you accumulate all of these assets is for when a guy like Westbrook becomes available that you, you try to go get him. You, you accumulate these assets for star players, and he's a star player. So depending on what his – feeling is for free agency next year, if they can kind of get an assurance that they're not going to give up the farm for nothing, for one year really, then I'd say they make an aggressive move. And I think that Oklahoma City is going to definitely want the, the good young players to replace him and the ability to build uh, a contender back pretty quickly. So both Brooklyn picks next year and the year after would definitely have to be included. I would say two of either Avery Bradley, Marcus Smart, and Isaiah Thomas, and I would guess that they would want either Bradley or Smart, uh, both maybe, 
And I would assume they would ask for Jay Crowder, too. I mean, if, if they're going to ask for a lot. They're going to ask for the world. And if, if teams are, are starting to bid for Westbrook, it's going to take at least that to get him here. We're talking with John Corrales of RedsArmy.com, the Locked On Celtics podcast. And the Durant signing, I don't know, some people very up in arms about this, that it's the end of days for the NBA with only two or three competitive teams that have a chance to win the whole thing. Do you see this as somehow being bad for the league? It's it's not great for the league. It's, it definitely hurts the perception. When, when fans of teams go into a season thinking it's a foregone conclusion, that's not great. And the beauty of opening day is that, that fantasy that anybody can win. And when you've got a team that's so stacked, I can see why people are, are really upset. But I think that's just an initial reaction. We need to see what happens when they throw the ball out there because it's still Curry and Clay and KD and Draymond, a bunch of guys who need shots. And what happens if Draymond Green doesn't get the shots that he's looking for? At some point, you have the possibility of some discord. Steve Kerr's job is not very easy. He's got a lot of egos to manage. And we've seen with the, the, the stories about Durant changing and, and his decision-making, he's, he's more sensitive than people on the outside have, may realize maybe some of the guys in Oklahoma city knew this going in, but it's, it's a little bit of a re- revelation nationally that he's more sensitive, much more of a pleaser and, and who knows what he's thinking privately. So we've got to let this play out and see how it works before we make any sort of determination that things are all over. John, I know only junkies like us watch it, but uh, what are your impressions of the summer league and the Celtic squad in the early going? <laughs> Junkies like us have it on our DVRs. That's, <laughs> that's how much of a junkie I am. It's on my DVR. Uh, I am really impressed early with Terry Rozier's progression. Mm. You're looking for things, not necessarily results, because a lot of guys can score points in summer league. Fans really need to know when they're watching this that it's not like regular basketball, because all of these rosters are made up of guys that will never play for the actual teams. There are guys who are on the Celtics summer league roster who will be on a different summer league roster in Las Vegas because they're free agents, they're young guys, undrafted maybe, or guys who have played overseas, and they're looking to make impressions. So you have guys on these teams who are trying to uh, impress scouts, latch on to a team somewhere, maybe even latch on to a team overseas because there are international scouts watching this. It's not exactly team basketball necessarily. So you, what you're looking for is things like decision-making from the returning players, uh, ability to hit the right shots at the right time and, and make the right uh, call, uh, footwork, athleticism from some of the rookies, th- ways they move to make sure that the things that uh, – maybe things that can translate from this into the NBA. So from Rozier – I like that he's making good decisions. He's taking advantage of these mismatches that present themselves. He's hitting some tough shots. He's making some nice passes. He's, he's aggressive when he might have been passive last year. So I like, I like that. Um, guys like Gershon Yabusele, or we got to work on the pronouncer there because I'm not sure exactly how he pronounces it, but nimble, good footwork. You kind of see that even though he's a, a shorter, wider type of guy, that he's Unlike Sollinger, when we were talking about him before, 
his footwork, he, he moves much more quickly, you, you know, from, from side to side, across the lane, recovers, gets himself uh, into good position, even though he's made some mental mistakes. He can recover athletically and do some good things. Jalen Brown is a heck of an athlete. So I'm impressed with him in the one game that he played. I hope his knee, he's getting an MRI in his knee. I hope that's okay. But you see him come out and really, really attack the rim. When he sees an opportunity to get to the rim, he's going in hard and trying to dunk on guys. He's got a little bit of an attitude, got in people's faces. You kind of like to see that aggressiveness. So, and it's kind of funny to hear him talk afterwards about, wow, we're playing with men here. We're not playing with little boys. So he's excited about this opportunity. I think he relishes this challenge to take advantage of things that didn't present themselves in college. So, and, and I will mention that James Young's shooting has been pretty good. We're, we're kind of reaching our expiration date with James Young. And game one was eh, game two was better, hitting the shots. We'll see if he can carry that through. He really needs to have a good summer league to have a chance at sticking on this roster. John Corrales, RedsArmy.com and the Locked on Celtics podcast. John, thanks for making sense of it all for us. Great talk with you and the way things are going this summer. It won't be long before we do it again. Oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. All right, thank you, John. Okay, so that was my take on things going on in the NBA right now and the Celtics. I, I'm not really 100% sold on trading for Westbrook. It just depends on what it's going to take, and I really do, like you just heard me say, think it's going to take so much to get him. I wonder if it's going to be a step back. But on the other hand, he is such a dynamic player. He immediately changes the franchise. And if you get Westbrook along with Horford, and next year you have even more money to spend, another max player next year, well, is it worth the risk? It might be worth the risk. So I'm still torn. I really need to think this through. And the other aspect to it is whether he wants to stay, whether Durant leaving has made Westbrook so angry that he wants to stay in Oklahoma City and win a title in Oklahoma City just so he can say, hey, Kevin, look what I did without you. That would be a big middle finger to Kevin Durant. And I'm sure right now Westbrook might have some of these feelings like, he wants to do that. So hard to tell with Westbrook what's going on in his head. There, there's an easy way to look at it and say he wants to bolt and go to L.A. and say forget OKC. And that might have been part of what Durant was thinking. But he may just want to stick around. So it's going to be interesting to see how those talks go, what happens, and, and what, if anything, Oklahoma City will be asking for and, and how that whole thing's going to be approached this season. All right, let's turn our attention to the NBA in general. And to do that, let's bring in one of my favorite writers in Boston, uh, Chad Finn of the Boston Globe. Chad, first of all, uh, pleasure to finally, quote-unquote, meet you after following you forever on Twitter. Oh, I, thank you. I appreciate the nice words. You're one of my favorite podcasters and uh, Celtics uh, reasonable guys out there. So to, to, to talk to you. I figured you'd find like a minimum deal with the Warriors. When we're uh, get out I'm, of town. I'm trying. I've been out there running a little bit just to see if I can cash in on any of this money. But hey, whatever. <laughs> yeah, you got to get the make sure those knees are ready like Ray Allen. Look, man, that's the way it goes. Hey, let's start with a little bit of breaking news because this is really interesting to me. 
According to Adrian Wojnarowski, the Bulls have gotten a commitment from Dwayne Wade to sign with Chicago. Chicago, who just got Rajon Rondo. Rondo, who has called Wade a dirty player after nearly folding his arm the opposite way. Actually, actually yeah. folding his arm the opposite way in the playoffs in 2011. And there, were, there was all this talk about him recruiting Wade and all this stuff. So I guess when business is business, bygones are bygones, huh? I guess so. They'll probably hate each other by the 10th game of the regular season, though. You know, the old rivalries die hard, uh, even when you're on the same team. But, yeah, that's fascinating from about a million different angles. Uh, I figured that, that Riley was calling his bluff with the Heat and that he'd eventually go back there for that two years and $40 million. But, uh, you know, he's never been the highest-paid player in Miami. He's taken uh, less money on his last three contracts. And, I guess at his age, what is he, 34 now, uh, he, he wants to get paid. He wants to try to make up that money they sacrificed in the past. And going back to his hometown with a fairly mediocre team to do it. Yeah, they are not going to be uh, a jump shooting team, that's for sure. you got a bunch of guys who like to get to the rim, Ooh. and Rondo, who, whose jump shooting is what it is. So uh, not a lot of floor spacing. That's going to be really, really interesting to see how that team gets defended like you said, a mediocre team. But uh, that's one guy who surprisingly left his team. There was another guy, his name is escaping me at the moment, who surprisingly left his team in free agency. <laughs> um, so let's talk about Kevin Durant because that's what everybody is talking about. I assume you and I are on the same page that you might as well not play this NBA season and it's a foregone con- conclusion that Golden State's going to win 80 games, give them the title right now. Yeah, I think the over-under is 80, right? Uh, it, it, I, I'm really fascinated to see these see these guys play because uh, other than like on you know, NBA 2K16 when you, you trade Durant to the Warriors or whatever it is, uh, however you stack your franchise team, uh, you've never seen anything like this. I mean, uh, we, we've seen super teams before, whether they were built um, – sort of organically like the 80s Celtics and Lakers were where they drafted well and uh, picked up a, a key free agent here or there, a big trade here or there, uh, to what the Heat were, which was, you know, the first real band of buddies uniting. I guess you could say the Celtics did that uh, in a different way with Garnett Pierce and Allen. But uh, this is a whole different level from anything you've seen before. It's four, what, top 10, 11, 12 players in the league, uh, four four top getters in the all-star balloting last year in the Western Conference, three, arguably the three best shooters in the league, uh, and uh, Curry, Durant, Thompson, and guys who seem to be able to fit together well uh, with their passing skills and their spacing abilities. So I can't wait to see how it all plays out. Uh, I also, I, I think they're going to be incredible. I, I, I think even if Kerr rests guys, they'll be incredible and they'll probably make a run at 73 wins or more, even uh, without trying to like they did this year. But, uh, you know, one uh, Monte Junis butt sweat on the floor where Curry slips and, uh, or Durant, uh, feels a tweak in that foot again or whatever it happens to be. And, um, you know, they're not. Even that, uh, Uh, on vacation right now, uh, motivated by the fact that he's just won the championship for Cleveland and now he's the underdog and uh, they got to stack their team to go back at him. And uh, the Cavs aren't going to back down. The Spurs aren't going to back down, even though they're not a talent matchup. And 
Uh, I want to see how this all plays out. Uh, obviously, the Warriors are the odds-on favorites to win the championship this year, but it's a very, very long season, and you never know what can happen. Yeah, and I, I'm actually – I joked at the, at the beginning of this, but I'm kind of with you. Of course, this isn't great for the league. It would have been <clears> great for the league if he – well, I mean, he could have stayed in a smaller market and, and just you run it back. Or – if, if stars are going to change teams, it would have been nice to see a star go from west to east to kind of give the east a little bit more oomph. But we are where we are, and like you said, you never know. A slip, right. a fall, an injury re, you know, rekindles itself. You've been very vocal, quote-unquote, on Twitter. People have been saying the season is, is over, forget it, and you just like, no, 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 it's not. It's not. Let's watch this thing. Let's see how yeah. it goes. So I, I am kind of with you. Now, Durant, interestingly, I've seen some people, and I don't know if this is just the vocal minority. I don't have the perspective, the national perspective. I just see things that are happening on Twitter. Uh-huh. There are people who are saying that Durant, Durant's move is worse than what LeBron did going from Cleveland to Miami. I think, right. I think people are really reacting strongly way over the top about this. Yeah, I do too for a couple of reasons. It's not the same to me. Uh, one, it was done a little bit more gracefully than LeBron's exit. Uh, the Players' Tribune is uh, nothing I'm really interested in, but it was better than the decision. Uh, it was done in a little bit more of a classy manner. It was sort of understated the way he conducted his um, yeah, his meetings with the teams where he knocked them out all pretty quickly up there in the Hamptons, narrowed it down very quickly. Uh, whereas LeBron sort of had this world tour. I mean, we're talking about Dwayne Wade. Back then, Dwayne Wade was negotiating with the Bulls uh, at that point, while all three of those guys knew they were going to unite in Miami. So uh, this is uh, considerably less duplicitous than what LeBron did. Uh, LeBron uh, Durant is not from Oklahoma City. Uh, LeBron was from Cleveland, Akron, so that had a whole level of uh, pain to it. Um, and who wouldn't want to join the Warriors? You know, I, I'm disappointed that the Thunder aren't going to be there to challenge the Warriors anymore. I mean, the Western Conference Finals this year felt like the NBA Finals. They're so intense, and those games are so great. And it felt like a new rivalry was hatching there, and instead it's over. I mean, the, yeah, you look at the, the Thunder, they're a 40-something win team with Westbrook. They're still going to be pretty good, but uh, they're not a contender anymore. And that, that was disappointing to see uh, that the, the, that budding rivalry just sort of dissolve with Durant's decision. But if you look at the Warriors, I mean, I've been a basketball fan since uh, I was seven, eight years old in the late 70s, about right around the time Bird and Magic came into the league. And uh, of all the teams I've ever seen, it's, it's the Bird Celtics, the Showtime Lakers, uh, and these Warriors are the ones that have been the most aesthetically appealing. And if Kevin Durant wanted to go to Oakland, San Francisco, to play with two of the greatest shooters of this era uh, and guys who are legitimately his peers, I can't blame him for doing that. Uh, uh, it's something that if, uh, would be irresistible, I think, to any basketball player and any basketball fan. And uh, in a way, it makes Kevin Durant a little bit relatable. Yeah, I really find it interesting to read some of these pieces where his human side has come out. This These reports that he, after games, would go and read Twitter and see what people were tweeting about him in the game. This level of insecurity and yeah. and just this desire to be loved 
and and how this all played out, how everything just kind of manif- manifested itself. I really enjoy seeing this human side. You start to see why he makes some of these decisions. We fans want people to be want these NBA players and all athletes to be perfect. They're supposed to be humble and loyal and take less money. And really, when you think about it, do everything an actual normal human being might not do in that situation. So I I think that, I mean, as disappointed as I am for the parody league wide, I don't blame the guy. If he genuinely likes those guys and he wants to go play basketball with them, it's a fun sport and he still gets to make 20 some odd million. Who wouldn't do that? Yeah, not a bad gig, right? And uh, you get to do it in that environment with those players who seem to have a, a pretty good camaraderie. It's not like he doesn't know them. I mean, everybody's hearing the stories now about how uh, Curry and Iguodala bonded with him at uh, some uh, international event or another in 2010. So uh, the history with, the, with, the, with these guys is already there. Um, what's interesting to me, too, is that uh, the writing was on the wall with this, and none of us wanted to believe it, you know. Four months ago, Adrian Wojnarowski wrote that the Warriors have been uh, planning for this for, uh, what, six months, more than that, uh, and mm-hmm. were well aware that they had a legitimate chance to get him. And uh, everybody's like, uh, no, no, of course that's not going to happen. Uh, too many egos, the only one basketball. Uh, the, no, no chance that that happens. And uh, I, I think we kind of doubled down on that after the Western Conference Finals when uh, you presumed that Durant would be heartbroken by the way that played out and kind of vengeful and, and thinking that he was going to come back the next season and uh, uh, win it for Oklahoma City and win it with Russ and, and get that revenge after their uh, blown 3-1 lead and the disappointing Game 7 loss and, and Thompson's crazy shooting performance in Game 6 and all those things that they had to endure. And uh, as it turns out, uh, I guess he was just as impressed with the Warriors as, as the rest of us were. Uh, especially at that point, and he's the guy, one of the few men in the world who uh, can do something about that and actually has the ability to join that club. So uh, I don't fault him at all. It's going to be crazy to see. I'm bummed the Thunder don't don't exist in that form anymore. And really bummed he didn't come here because I think it was a genuine chance, but uh, it's going to be really, uh, really cool. And uh, I don't think it hurts the NBA to have one super team, one perceived super team like that. There have always been super teams to some degree. Every every year, go back and pick one. It's two, three, four teams that have a chance to win a title. So it's really not much different than uh, anything we deal with every year. Well, it's it's a little different <laughs> with these guys. It's, it's a super super team. <laughs> super, I mean, yeah, super. but you go back and look at uh, 1987, and uh, the Celtics have a chance. Uh, maybe the Rockets, the Lakers, will end up winning it, and the Pistons, uh, but it's really not much more than that. You can say like the Hawks sneak in. You go back to uh, you go back to uh, you know '83, and it's the three or four teams there: Lakers, Celtics, Sixers. You know, so um, I, I tend to think that's sort of the way it's been throughout history. Maybe not to the degree of having a team as potent as the Warriors are going to be, but, but like I said, you know, one tweak, one tweak knee, one tweak ankle to one of those superstars, and uh, the odds change. Uh, Matt Moore from CBS Sports, among other outlets, today had a great tweet. It's an interesting question. If you're an NBA general manager, having seen 
LeBron, Wade, and Bosch bond on Team USA, and now Curry, uh, Durant, and Iguodala bond on Team USA. If you're the GM with a superstar, do you want to let him – forget the injuries. Do you want to let him go mingle with all of these superstars from other teams and maybe risk losing him to some super team down the road? Yeah, that's a good point. It's funny, though. You look back like at the uh, – what year was it? 2012 London or 2004, 2012 London Olympics? Is that what it was? All years run together yeah. for me. 2014, that's what it was. No, 12. Anyway, but you, you had Kevin uh, Love there, who you presumed was bonding with LeBron, and you, you, you had, you, had uh, you know Carmelo there, who uh, is such a great international player, but hasn't really found his way onto one of those super teams because uh, he's uh, sort of selfish about getting his money when he won't go out before uh, you know they had a chance to put anything like that together. But uh, yeah, if you've got a young superstar, if, uh, say. Brandon Ingram turns out to be that guy for the Lakers. They they definitely should be reluctant to let him do that. Uh, you go make friendships and you start uh, daydreaming uh, about uh, playing together someday, and that someday comes around a little bit quicker than maybe uh, maybe you expect. And uh, I don't blame these guys for orchestrating their teams. I mean, uh, the, the, I want the NBA players to get the money and to have the power because they're the reason I care about the league. And better them than the owners who are hoarding that $24 billion in TV money. Uh, but uh, when, it's, when you're a fan of a team that doesn't have one of these guys or feels like an afterthought year after year, you know, if you're the Pelicans, you're going to be really nervous about what happens with Anthony Davis on his next contract or if he wants out at some point. Then it gets frustrating and it gets old. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I might be really hesitant to do that for a couple of reasons. Before I let you go, uh, we've got our own budding superstar on this team, we hope, in Jalen Brown. Uh, he, he's played one of the two summer league games so far. First impressions of Jalen Brown? Uh, crazy athletic, which is uh, no surprise, but uh, the energy that he was playing with that first game and uh, his attitude and going up against Ben Simmons, the number one pick, uh, as if uh, – uh, he wanted to show him that uh, he's not going to back down from anybody. I think that's really encouraging. Uh, to me, he's a guy who's going to win fans over really quickly. I know there was disappointment on draft night because it was perceived as a two-superstar, two-player two draft, and they had the third pick. But And they took a guy with the third pick who some people didn't think should have gone in that spot. Uh, but to me, I trust Danny Ainge in those situations. And uh, he's true to his own evaluations. He really, really liked and it didn't take five minutes in his first summer league game to see why. Uh, they dodged a bullet with that knee injury. It seems uh, I hope they put him in bubble wrap for the rest of the summer. But <laughs> he, he's going to be an important guy this year. He's going to be the guy who spells Jay Crowder. And uh, maybe even is on the court with him at some at certain times. And uh, uh, gives them a, a little bit of a boost in athleticism. And uh, if he plays with the energy he played in the first summer game, very helpful guy right away. Yeah, I agree. I'm hopeful of that stuff. Chad Finn from the Boston Globe, thank you very much for joining us on Twitter, at GlobeChadFinn. Guys, give him a shout. Give him a follow. Say thanks for joining us on the show, which is what I'm doing right now. Thanks, Chad, for joining us on the show, and we hope to have you back real soon. I appreciate it, John. Good talking to you, and uh, glad to come on anytime. All right. Thanks a lot. All right, Okay, let's just wrap this up. I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, if this is your first time listening, thank you very much. Be sure to go to iTunes or Google Play 
and subscribe. Just search for the Locked On Celtics podcast. It's there. Uh, subscribe. Give us a rating. That would be great. We really appreciate the kind words and the ratings. And that also helps us rise in the ranks so other people can can find the show. So if you rate us and tell your friends to rate us and give us good reviews, then other Celtics fans will find us. You're doing them a favor, really. So thank you very much for listening. Uh, oh, it, go to our audio boom page when you see the link. There's an RSS feed if you just want to get that and plug it into your podcatcher, whatever thing you use, whatever app you use. That's great, too. However you want to listen, we appreciate you listening. And thanks for joining us today on the Locked On Celtics here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.